This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. How's it going, Jason? Doing well. Doing well. It's uh, exciting times here as we are uh, getting close to uh, another MVP being decided in the uh, NBA. You know, probably going to be James Harden, although you know some other candidates have emerged that at least um, people are trying to pretend to have a, a chance. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes, of course. But you know, there's nothing wrong with being number two, even if no. uh, James Harden is the winner. <laughs> yeah, whoever's number two, have... not not too bad. No, no, no. Sometimes, you know, sometimes maybe, you know, somewhere down the line in an NBA history podcast, we'll, you know, shine a spotlight on whoever finished number two in the MVP. I don't know when that's going to happen, but at some point I'm sure it will. So if you finish second, it's not the worst thing in the world. And you know what, Jason? That's actually not the worst idea for a show in the world. We should maybe do that. You want to do that? Uh, all right, let's go and do it. I don't know that, what we're yeah. going to talk about, but screw it. That's delete those notes. Let's talk about the number two MVP vote without any notes or anything and no preparation or whatever. Yeah, that's obviously the finish of the show. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> nothing can go Crack wrong Crack our there. knuckles and get going. All right. Let's all right, all right, all right, all right. So before we get into that, I mean, I'll give us a little time to prepare. I'll stall by talking okay, a little you. bit please, about yes, some please, other things. Yeah, 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 I, I got right. a lot of Wikipedia to do here, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I got to. Okay. All right. I'm, up to, I'm already up to Dave Collins, 1975, so we're doing pretty good oh, here. Oh, nice. So wow, we're, we're, we're going quickly, so good. You work fast, yeah. So uh, there are like one thing that has always puzzled me a little bit is that the NBA did not have an MVP from 50 to 56. And that just sort of seems like a weird thing for a league to not award, especially since they started awarding the rookie of the year in 53. So they decided, hey, we'll have a rookie of the year, but not an MVP until 56. So. I delved a bit into the past on that, tried to find out if there was a particular reason why they never had one. Um, the BAA didn't have one in the in the three years before the leagues merged, but the NBL did have one. So there was at least a tradition of there being an MVP in one of the leagues. So it was a little bit odd. And I, I couldn't really find a reason uh, to, uh, you know, why that happened. But there were some alternative NBA war, or excuse me, alternative uh, MVP awards that were selected, and uh, we're going to shine a light on those a little bit as we go through the process of talking about the runner-up. So, um, obviously, there's the NBA MVP, which was selected by the players until 1980, and then by basketball writers and broadcasters from 81 until now. 
And then there was something called the Sam Davis Memorial Award. Could not figure out who Sam Davis was. If anybody happens <laughs> the guy to that know, liked. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a member great. of the dinner club that uh, they that founded this. I, I have no clue. Yeah, I don't know who Sam Davis is. But. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, Sammy Davis. I know who Sammy Davis is, but I don't know who uh, Sam Davis <laughs> is. Obviously, so. his father. I'm sure. So. Well, probably, yeah. Obviously, Sammy Davis Jr., that makes sense. So, uh, anyway, this was selected by the Metropolitan Basketball Writers Association from 1952 to about 75. It's a little bit unclear. Um, but it, it kind of seems like it might have been the de facto NBA MVP until the league started awarding its own uh, award. I'm not really, again, clear on that. But the uh, they did have some prestige. The, um, the M- MBWA, they were the founders of the NIT, and its awards were reported on in the New York Times up through at least the early 70s. So there was clearly some prestige, mm-hmm. you know, in, in New York, if not nationally. So um, there was also a sporting news uh, MVP or player of the year. It was, I think it was called both, uh, starting in 59. Um, Basketball Digest player of the year from about 77 to 2003-ish. And then the uh, United States Basketball Writers MVP, uh, which basically emulated the NBA MVP except for one season, which we'll get into. And then, of course, uh, more recently, the uh, the Players Association Players Voice Award MVP, which started in 2015. So, uh there you go, Rich. Hopefully, I bought you enough time to have done the research for this. Yes, show. we're all done. We're, we got it up. We got it all the way up till 2017. So congratulations to us for doing that. But yeah, it's, it, it's very strange how there wasn't necessarily an MVP. And and you look back at other sports, and it's not without precedent. Like you know, baseball. Um, they started their MVP technically in 1911 with the Chalmers Award, which was just like the Chalmers Automobile Company. And, th- and this is kind of a famous one as well, where uh, you know, like Ty Cobb and and, and Nap. Uh, I forgot uh, uh, Lejoy. I don't even know how to pronounce his Layoy. I, I don't know how to fell- pronounce his name. I never do. But um, where they were like battling over like a Chalmers Automobile car and that was like basically whoever had the highest batting average and then that sort of evolved into who people thought were the most valuable a committee of baseball writers would find out who were the most valuable but by 1914 that award was done because the Chalmers Automobile said well this isn't selling any cars so screw this we're done and it, it was gone then like so it was an award for a little while people cared about it thought about it and then it really went away until in 1922 they brought back the league awards but that was kind of weird too because then there was an American League and National League and obviously they were kind of operating in different categories you know the, the American League would, would, would name an MVP but the National League wouldn't, and then some years they would both. It was it was strange, and it didn't really quite come all the way together until, like, 1931, and that's when the Baseball Writers Association decided, okay, let's have this Most Valuable Player Award and vote on it as among writers or whatever, and that's obviously the war, a, award that's been, uh, you, know, you know, still used to this day. But what's weird about that is, in the NBA's context, is, yeah, it's, it's understandable that in, you know, 1910, maybe they didn't think about this in, in Major League Baseball or whatever, but we're talking about the NBA should have already figured out, hey, this MVP thing is, like, something that people care about. Why don't we have one of these, particularly if you're going to give away other awards? So, like, it's not without precedent for the beginning of a league not to quite have that, but I don't know that it's quite comparable, like, 1911 to the mid-50s. You know, you know it's a little harder to organize people and get everything together, you know, in 1911 than it would have been in the, in the 50s or, you know, even, I mean, we're talking even to mid to late 50s until we really got any sort of MVP award and and they had seen the other pro leagues do it so it wasn't like this unfounded or completely random thing that the NBA was like aha I got it let's the best player in the league we're give him an award like they, they it, it was done in other leagues so why the NBA didn't just roll out with it right away is is, is kind of perplexing I'm not in quite, entirely sure why yeah, and the NFL had first version of it was like in the like in the 30s, and then they basically settled in on the current MVP award, which was actually given out by the AP in 57. So, and which is now the official league award, although it wasn't that for the for a long time. But um, so yeah, it, it is. You know, it is odd, I guess, that, you know, the fact that the tradition of the sport already had one, you know, I guess it's one example where the BAA got its way in the uh, merger, perhaps. But 
nevertheless, it's interesting, and we'll kind of reference it, especially when it differs from what the official line was for the various awards. But just want to uh, bring those up at the top of the show, so when we discuss them, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first we have, uh, we got uh, Pitch Paul Arizon, uh, who was uh, runner-up in 1956. He never won an MVP, although perhaps he would have um, or if the it had existed early on because he was one of the better players of the early 50s. And what can you tell us about, uh, about Pitch and Paul? Yeah, so Paul Ayers in 1956 obviously finished second. Uh, the actual winner that year was Bob Pettit. Uh, in terms of win shares, uh, Bob Pettit uh, was number one in win shares. So Paul Ayerson probably didn't have a, a, a case above Bob Pettit. But, you know, there, there's definitely some things that could be said about it. Paul Ayerson, he averaged uh, 24.2 points per game, 7.5 rebounds uh, per game on the NBA champion Philadelphia Warriors. Uh, Bob Pettit, he probably did earn the award, though, for, for what it's worth. I mean, yes, his team only finished, you know, 33 and 39 in the regular season, but he was a monster. Uh, he averaged 25.7 points per game, 16.2 rebounds per game. So this is a case where, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a very good case that, that Paul Ayerson could have won it, but it seems like, you know, Pettit was definitely a, a good choice. But uh, kind of interesting in that time, you know, nowadays we see so many people are so obsessed with, you know, what was the regular season record? Are they in the playoffs? Are they the best team in the league? Well, how can you be the most valuable if your team's not, you know, an elite team? And it's like, you know, Bob Pettit's just amazing on a team that's like okay and he gets the award nobody i'm sure i don't know if people got upset at this time when they did either but um yeah a little bit about paul erson too before we kind of move on he uh he played six more seasons in the league and then he retired basically at the top of his game uh because he didn't want to move to san francisco and this was in the days where it was like you know it, that was a rational decision hey i don't want to move my family all the way to san francisco you know for <laughs> for basketball i'm good i'm i'll stay here or whatever which is pretty interesting though but uh so at the time of his retirement uh, no player had retired from the game with a higher scoring average than arizon at 20 uh 21.9 uh, that's what he had in his final season so definitely still in the peak of his power still definitely probably could have played for a few more years didn't want to go to san francisco but uh he uh played in a total of 10 nba all-star games he was the 1952 nba all-star game mvp uh also all nba first team in 1952 56 and 57 uh interestingly enough and we have talked about this on a show before that uh, after he retired from the nba and this is one of my greatest fun facts ever as uh, that Arizona uh, he played three seasons with the Camden Bullets of the Eastern Professional Basketball League and won the 1964 title there so uh, pretty good and uh, as you had sort of alluded to the Sam Davis Award uh, Arizona won the uh, 1952 Sam Davis Award uh, from the Metropolitan Sports Writers Group and then Pettit won it in 1956 so Pettit won both of the awards uh, Arizona did get a Sam Davis Award in 1952 and and sort of as you mentioned in the lead-in had the award been around a little bit earlier there's a good chance that Arizona probably does uh, pick up a f- maybe one maybe two MVPs in his in his career uh, earlier but yeah the problem is he comes you know in 1956 and 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 that's kind of the first year and and, and he's sort of a runner-up immediately and and never really is, gets over to that hump and, and never does win his own mvp but uh finished second 1956 so not bad yeah absolutely yeah and um just worth noting the for the sam davis award winners before the nba mvp uh mike won it in 1551 arizon as we mentioned won it in 52 uh koozie won it in 53 uh, neil johnston won it in 54 and then koozie won it again in uh 55 uh, i was I, kind of surprised that mike and stopped winning it after 51 because he was pretty still pretty dominant in 52 and 53 54 he slowed down a little bit but was still kind of even with neil johnson that, that was kind of a toss-up there but anyway just for the record i thought that was uh interesting since we don't have an official mvp that's the yeah. best uh consensus of the time so uh yeah our next runners up is uh bob pettit in 57 and 61 um and uh, he won two MVPs in his career, 56, as we mentioned, and 59. Um, and that year, um, 
uh, 57 was Kuzi, who, of course, the Celtics, they, they won the division and their first NBA championship beginning the Bill Russell dynasty when Russell was less acclaimed as a player, as a, as a rookie. Um, and uh, Pettit talks again, finished 500 below the regular season, but they uh, made it all the way to the NBA Finals, which is kind of a trend for the team where they would be a little bit mediocre in the, in the regular season and then would have a valiant playoff run. Uh, that year, he averaged 24.7 points per game, 14.6 rebounds per game, but actually in uh, third shares uh, among those who got MVP votes, uh, Shays and uh, Arizon were both ahead of him. He did lead in Winchester 48, though. So certainly, you know, a deserving, would have been a deserving winner, was, you know, deserving runner up. Um, and in 61, uh, Bill Russell uh, was the winner there, and not surprisingly, they won the NBA title there. Uh, that year, the Hawks had a great regular season, but uh, fell in the NBA finals to the, of course, the Celtics. Yeah. And go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, and that, that year, Pettit has a really good case to win MVP. I mean, he's got 14.9 win shares, uh, 0.237 win shares per 48. Uh, but he wasn't the best in the league because uh, old Wilt Chamberlain at 24 had uh, 18.8 win shares and averaged uh, 38.4 points per game and 27.2 rebounds per game. So unfortunately, like your really good uh, spectacular season is kind of dwarfed by the fact that Wilt Chamberlain is, is very good. Bill Russell's also very good and also winning titles. So uh, definitely a rough time for, for Pettit. And he's a guy that's kind of lost to history in some ways. And I don't know necessarily that, that I would say that, but I don't know if he's necessarily brought up a, a lot as, as one of the NBA's early elites, but only because like you have Wilt who who's obviously jumping off the page in terms of statistics and then Russell and the Celtics were obviously winning you know every single title <laughs> but uh but it obviously got his one and and, and whatnot and, and and you know was solid enough but yeah he's kind of lost the time because those other two dudes are just so elite and and, and really like all-time all-time legends yeah absolutely um yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he was he was really great. And, and those Hawks teams, we talked about those. You know, those teams were, you know, they made four out of five finals and won, of course, 58 championship. But, uh, and, and Pettit, you know, he was still effective into the mid-60s as, you know, the, uh, the the league evolved a lot. And, um, you know, not just Russell and Chamberlain, but, you know, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor, all those guys were, you know, really uh, were becoming superstars and were, you know, established themselves as the best in the league. And, and you know, Pettit didn't quite match that, but he was, you know, really, really excellent for quite a long time. Sure, and, and I mentioned, Double chimney a little bit earlier. He uh, he was obviously upset because he also did not win MVP that year. Bill Russell won it, so then the next year he decided to average uh, fifty point uh, four points per game, which uh, was pretty good. But he was still second in MVP. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So unfortunately, you can average over fifty. Uh, you can have hundred point games. You can do incredible stuff. But now nah, you're not the MVP yet, sir. Yeah, but, uh, we'll no, talk about that no. here in a little bit. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, next we go to Dolph Shays in 1958, uh, another guy who never won the, uh, MVP. He did win the Sam Davis award in 58. Uh, and this was really the only year that he got serious MVP consideration. He probably mm-hmm. would have had it existed before, uh, 56. Uh, in fact, he was top four in PER from 52 to 55, um, and he also made five uh, NBA first teams during that time, back when they were uh, positionless. He was definitely considered a you know, top five player. Uh, in uh, 58, he averaged 24.9 points per game, which is career high and second in the league, was fourth in the league in rebounding, and led the league in free throw percentage. He was 29 at this point, was uh, second in the league in both PER and Winchester 48. So um, the Nationals had been kind of a 500-ish team since winning the title in 55, but as they turned over a little bit, it was Shays and Red Kerr who were left in prominent roles. And they improved to 41 and 31. So that would kind of explain why he got more attention and the fact that, again, he did average some career highs there. It wasn't like he was exceptionally better than he previously been, but it was, you know, enough of a bump that, um, you know, he obviously uh, got the attention he got. Absolutely. Yeah, and then our um, our next runner-ups are, um, or runners-up, I guess, are uh, Bill Russell, uh, who was a runner-up in uh, 59 and uh, 60, and then Will Chamberlain in uh, 62 and, uh, and and 64. Um 
as we and I think the we didn't really delve too deeply into this because we've talked about Russell and Chamberlain a whole lot in the show, so there's not a whole lot more that we're going to necessarily add here. I, the, obviously, the one that really uh, stands out is uh, Chamberlain 62, where he, of course, averaged 50 points per game. This that was also the year where. Um, where Oscar Robertson averaged triple-double uh, to, you know, mar- marvelous exceptional seasons. But for whatever reason, uh, well, probably the reason was is because they were the best regular season uh, team and winning all those championships. Uh, and, of course, he, Bill Russell was a game-changing defender and did all the things that he did. Uh, Russell won it despite uh, having much more pedestrian uh, statistics. So, you know, I'm willing to, to trust the, uh, you know, the, the, the people of the time, obviously. I mean, they, they, they knew about the stats either way, but they, you know, Russell, you know, he delivered again and again in, in big moments and, you know, winning all those championships. So I, I, it's hard to argue against Russell. There, no, no. It's like, yeah, if it was some yeah. other random schlup, we might be like, ah, that guy doesn't. But it's like Bill Russell. So it's like, yeah, he probably deserved it because yeah. <laughs> he's right. pretty good. What's interesting, too, about that 59 and 50 uh, and, and, and 60, the two years that Russell uh, finished second, is that had he finished first in those years, he would have had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six straight MVPs. But he finished second those two years in between because he won. He wins in '58, finishes second in '59, second in '60, wins '61, wins '62, wins '63, finishes third in '64, wins '65, and then he's kind of done as as you know. I mean, I mean he's, he's fourth, third, and fourth, so he's not like he's done as a contender, but he's done being like the the, the winner, the runner up, or, or right out of it, or whatever. But still, yeah, pretty incredible run that he could have went on there uh, with those two MVP awards. But still had a pretty incredible run. Bill Russell uh, still had a good career. I uh, yeah, I think we can officially say that tonight. So <laughs> I think so. I think it's finally been declared. I think it's finally, you know, we've we've, we've closed the history books on that. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of those two MVP runner-ups, Bill Russell still has a career he can be proud of. So that's... Yes. Yeah, exactly. Very good, Rich. I appreciate yeah, that. I'm glad we got to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, another guy who's a little bit surprising that never won MVP, um, Elgin Baylor. In fact, his only year that he was the runner-up was a 63. And he actually did win the Sam Davis Award that year. So at least someone recognized him as the MVP. Uh, that year, he was uh, second in the league in scoring. He was f- uh, fifth in rebounding and uh, and sixth in assists. He actually had six seasons in which he was tenth, uh, top 10 in the league in assists per game, which I think is not really uh, I, I, that part of his game I never heard quite realized, you know. Uh, and he had the ball a lot. So some of that is just it's, it's not necessarily he was the best passer in the world, but because he had a lot of chances with him, but still, that's good. Um, and he had a uh, he was second in the league in PR and fifth in Winchester 48. It was basically his last elite season. Statistically, he was good for another couple of years, and then he had his really serious knee injury at age 30, which, you know, he uh, and struggled a year recovering from that before settling into you know, a pr- pretty good until he was age 35, and then um, injuries kind of kept him from playing in his last two seasons. Right, yeah, it's kind of an unfortunate end for, for him. But, yeah, it was it was kind of weird that he never really <laughs> emerged. As, as And you look at the talent of the era, and you look at some stuff, and there's, there's definitely years where he probably had a pretty good case to at least be, you know, in the running. But, yeah, he finished his third, fifth, third, third, fourth, second, as we mentioned, sixth, third, fifth, 15th. So he's in the mix, kind of, but not necessarily one of the guys that's really knocking on the door of winning the MVP other than 1963. So, yeah, kind of interesting there that uh, that he never does uh, never does do that. So a little, a little disappointing. Yeah, but. And, yeah and, and in fairness, the only guys who won MVP during the time in which he could have realistically won it were, you know, Chamberlain, Russell, yeah. um, you know, Robertson one year, and then Pettit went back when uh, Baylor was a rookie. So, yeah, there's not – there was a little opera. You know, he was just behind those guys. No, no shame in that, obviously. No, definitely not. So next we have uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, 1965. Uh, he had won it uh, previously in 64. Uh, he would have been a fine MVP in 65 as well. He was second in the league in PER in Winchester 48, third in points per game and first in assists per game. Uh, the Royals were slightly worse than the year before, but they were still a 48-win uh, team. But uh, like I said, not not quite as stout as the uh, previous year. And you know they were people were giving it to um, you know that was 
Russell getting it back after uh, losing it for a year after he won the three previous ones. So, um, you know, he certainly he he seems like he was definitely the, uh, the the right choice there. Although it was it was certainly you could call it a toss up. Yeah, I mean it's, it's yeah it, it, he's he's the first overall in terms of like win share. So I guess you can make a case you know that way or whatever. But yeah, it's it's hard when there's all those other guys and and, and Robertson has incredible numbers this year. But there's also other guys too. Like uh, Chamberlain has a great year that year. Uh, Jerry West has a great year that year. And, and it's Bill Russell, so you know he's always got sort of a leg up on, on on guys. So yeah, it's a tough year. And again, it's like one of those issues that we said. Unfortunately, when Russell's in your league and and Chamberlain's in your league and now you know Jerry West is sort of a merging it's going to be pretty tough to, to to make any headway in terms of the mvp but uh yeah he would have been a fine mvp but uh you know things happen and thankfully we're talking about him now so it's all good things do happen yes yeah <laughs> speaking of someone who things happen to yeah so jerry west and uh it's not like jerry west to finish a runner-up at all ever in his career i mean this is a win, you know a consummate winner never a guy that gets to the final stretch and then just loses and is just the runner-up but he was the runner-up in 1960 in 1970 in 1971 and in 1972 is there any idea like it's so obvious why he's such a crotchety guy and like nobody likes him <laughs> and he hates everything and everybody hates him like wouldn't you hate everything too it's not like yeah. he's just like huh. okay like he gets to the he gets to the award ceremony and then doesn't win he, he gets to the championship and then doesn't win it's got to be like man that's that's kind of a you know it's it's tough i mean yeah it's cool to get there but geez i'd rather just kind of like be middling not get there and then lose every time i don't know <laughs> yeah it, it, it's rough I, I don't know if everybody dislikes him but he definitely is a crotchety guy no he's yeah okay like maybe, a, maybe yeah, some people he, like he's, him he's, he's definitely yeah. crotchety though i think i'm not taking yeah. that back i'm not walking that no way. <laughs> no yes but um but, but definitely yes he yeah. hates so, fun yeah, confirmed fun hater though Jerry West. <laughs> there you go I, I had no idea you had such strong i don't i really there don't you, I just, you know I, everyone's always like oh he just doesn't really like fun that much you know anytime like uh, yeah. you know golden state of mine or whatever it's you know he's talking about how he's just you know even watching a game with him now is sort of like this it's like terrible yeah. experience because he's just like ah steph curry ah. it's like dude you're just, like they're gonna win 73 games like just but like i get it he's like geez i, I can't even win a damn MVP. i can't win a championship i can't do anything but yeah so from 1962 until 66 west was in the top five each year for mvp voting uh, but never higher than second in uh in 1966 uh, 1970 he was back at it with four straight years in the top 10 with three straight years as runner-up and a sixth play finish in 1973 and if you're wondering hey wait did jerry west win his mvp he never won an mvp so <laughs> for for jerry west uh he did win the 1972 sam davis award which i'm sure he was very happy about that was in the lakers uh 69 win season uh and he might have won some other ones as well but there's real tough records for 1966 and 1971 so uh he's a plausible winner either of those years uh but we just don't have the records on it so we're not quite sure um but as far as those runner-up seasons, I mean, he's got very good cases for those two. West, he was second, uh, he was second, second, third, and sixth uh, in Winchester's per 48 in those runner-up seasons. Uh, third, first, second, and third in PR. And pretty much top five in points per game and assists per game all those one, uh, all those times. Led the NBA once in each. Uh, he was behind, you know, behind Wilt statistically in, in 1966 and way behind Kareem in 1971 and 72. Uh, but, you know, in terms of a few of the other years, uh, Willis Reed and, and West, they were pretty much neck and neck in 1970s number-wise. So if there was any year where it, like, very much probably should have gotten you know gone to jerry west maybe 1970 but again like you can make cases for other guys in all those years too so it's not like jerry west was screwed out of the title every single year or whatever but you know there, there's cases to be made and it's like geez after four years just give him the damn award in like 1972 just you know what here jerry just take it you, you deserve it you've had a, a rough go of it for a while but uh jerry west a perpetual runner-up Perpetual bridesmaid, <laughs> Jerry West. But. I mean, he got his championship that year, so I'm sure he was happy about that. And, you know, the Sam Davis No, he award, wasn't. <laughs> no, remember? He yeah. wasn't happy about it. That's like... Oh, well, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I lost too many times before this. And it's like, all right, Jerry, come on, man. Like, uh-huh. You won it. Just be poor, happy poor for like Jared. 10 Not... minutes. And then, you know, yeah. ah, but the, 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 the strain of all the losses. Like, oh, all right, all right, all right. 
crotchety yeah. bastard. You're, you're kind of making me feel bad for Jerry West at this point. Hey, his GM record was was quite good, so I'm sure he's... That was pretty yeah, good, yeah. So that's he can, a good point. Yeah. Revel in yeah. that, that, you know, yeah. his GM record for Jerry yes. West. He needs so, a hug, uh, just a man that needs a hug. He, he, he could use a hug, yeah, that's true. Um, probably complain about the hug, but what, what are you going to do? <laughs> So um, next we have uh, sort of an unusual name here. Uh, Nate Thurman, 1967, uh, was the runner-up to uh, Will Chamberlain. Uh, kind of just, I mean, obviously Nate Thurman was a great player, a great rebounder and all that good stuff, and one of the better big men of his day, but never really thought of necessarily the MVP conversation. Uh, in fact, his, his, he started off as Wilt's teammate in uh, with the San Francisco Warriors, only averaged seven points per game his rookie year. But um, after Wilt had left, he emerged and... Um, was second in MVP voting, losing to Wilt. Uh, and, you know, the the stats don't really see him necessarily in, in that case uh, with only uh, 7.2 uh, win shares. He did average 18.7 points per game, 21.3 rebounds per game. Uh, but if you look at his uh, top competitors, Wilt had uh, 24.1 points per game, 24.2 rebounds, and 21.9 win shares, so about three times as many as Thurman had. And um, Bill Russell also had a, a stronger year in advanced stance than um, Thurman did. And even Oscar Robertson and Rick Barry, uh, Thurman's teammate, had uh, great cases. Uh, Barry uh, led the league in scoring that year with 35.6 points per game, uh, 9.2 rebounds, and a uh, 14.4 win share. So, yeah, the uh, and Thurman, Barry, and the Warriors made it all the way to the NBA Finals, but lost to Wilton, the 76ers, in, uh, in six games that year. So, and uh, there was really never a year where, you know, he merited serious NBA MVP consideration he was very much on the fringes you know got a handful of votes from like 70 to 74 mm-hmm. but never was a guy who was taken serious at that level again but but interesting footnote yeah absolutely and and, and the guy we're talking about here uh, Lenny Wilkins 1968 this is an interesting one too because he really never ever appears again like so he finished second in 1968 and that's pretty much it as far as award shares he finished 16th in 1973 but really I mean that barely counts it's, it's kind of fascinating that way too because uh you know as Wilkins MVP runner-up he was a member of the St. Louis Hawks at that time which is interesting I, I initially thought oh he's probably you know, a member of the Sonics, or he did do it. No, he's a member of the Hawks at this time, and this is uh, really his best statistical year to date. He averaged uh, 20 points, 8.3 assists per game on a really good Hawks team, 56 and 26. Uh, it doesn't sound all that notable, but 56 with its 10th most wins in the shot clock era, uh, more than any team outside of Philly and Boston. So the Hawks had won 39 games the year before uh, with a pretty similar roster. So this was looked at hey, well, Lenny Wilkins' numbers improved, this team's wins improved. It seems like a good case. Let's give Lenny Wilkins some love here. But uh, I mean, you can make a justifiable case for Oscar. Robertson um uh, he was he had 29.2 points per game 9.7 assists per game uh, 12.3 win shares uh as the number two but Wilkins isn't too fine uh is it isn't terrible pick as is the number two the issue was it didn't really matter because nobody was probably going to catch Wilt Chamberlain because he had 20.4 win shares in 1968 average 24.3 points per game 23.8 rebounds per game uh, and the 76ers went 62 and 20 so it was going to be real tough but yeah as I mentioned so Wilkins gets you know that 1968 he finished second doesn't do anything until 1973 when he pops up again at 16 and that's it that's all for Lenny Wilkins' sort of award shares career. So it's the first instance of a guy who just pops up once and really never effectively pops up ever again. And, you know, for that to be your one year to be second, that's not bad. But, yeah, it's kind of fascinating that he just never, ever gets, you know, it doesn't he doesn't finish fifth another year, eighth another year. He just never finishes in the running ever again, <laughs> ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's an oddball one. That I remember when I first – this was years ago, kind of dig- digging into the idea of, like, looking just – 
going through basketball reference looking at you know who was who who you know came close to winning mvp and yeah wilkins was just sort of uh it's like what you know obviously another guy who was you know really good point guard you know really good but never thought of it you know, on that level of like you know star who was gonna you know lead his team to a championship or anything like that but uh yeah like, again like it wasn't necessarily a bad choice but it was just sort of an out of nowhere choice sure uh so uh 1969 uh, willis reed was number two to uh wes unseld and um uh, he would win the MVP the following year. He also won the 69 and 70 Sam Davis Awards. And honestly, he seems like a stronger candidate over Unseld in the 69, who was one of the odder MVP choices in history as a rookie who never, um, and, and Unseld himself was never really a, an MVP candidate, seriously, again, or even an all-NBA uh, first team. But, um, you know, Reed definitely had the better statistical resume, but uh, Unseld was the uh, was also all-NBA first team center uh, ahead of Reed. So this was kind of considered the consensus of the uh, time and the, um, the bullets had had a, a significant win increase from the uh, previous year. So, uh, yeah, although the Knicks had improved quite a bit as well with uh, DeBusher going on there, they obviously were emerging as the team that would you know win the win two championships. But um, and as we mentioned, you know, Reed and West in 1970 was basically a toss up as you know the best as the two best players on the two teams that uh, met in the uh, uh, finals uh, that year. So yeah, so Reed probably you know deserved two MVPs or probably deserved it maybe even more this year than he did in 1970, but. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from West Unseld because he <laughs> because they had an interesting year, but yeah, the, this is sort of a uh, turn to be Unseld. You know, averaged only 13.8 points per game, 18.2 rebounds. Obviously, it's good, but you know, n- nothing really that exceptional outside of yeah, and maybe just some of the you know, it's the intangible type stuff that mm-hmm. you know the the stuff that we you know give credit for Russell for or, you know guys like Ben Wallace or you know, guys like that who you know the the numbers don't pop off, but you know you you can see the things they do defensively and the, the screens and stuff like that that you know uh, that that usually isn't enough for mvp but this year it was sure absolutely so someone who uh is a um often would be number one on this list but only one time was number two kareem abdul jabbar in 1973 um and it's worth noting that this is actually the first year that the nba mvp was different from the sporting news mvp which began in 59 another one of the kind of prominent mvps of uh the time lasted up until they may still give it out but definitely lasted until the early uh, uh 2010s um so the NBA MVP that year was Dave Cowens, um, who was the he was on the '68 win Celtics. The uh, Sporting News MVP was Tiny Archibald, who led the league in points and assists. And those awards would not differ again until uh, 1984. Uh, Kareem probably should have been the MVP that year in '73. He led the league in uh, win shares and PER and all, and you know pretty much all the other stats that he usually led the league in. And the the Bucks won 60 games, so they weren't necessarily that far off from the Celtics, you know, winning mm-hmm. 68. Um, it's actually kind of a bit surprising that Kareem only finished second once because, you know, he and McIndoo were definitely kind of one and two in 75. Uh, in 78 and 79, he finished a very distant fourth in voting, but but his award shares were very small underneath, you know, a 10%. Um, even though, but even in those years, he was first in win shares, win shares were 48, box score plus minus, and PER. All, all of those stats he was number one in in both years. Uh, his per game averages were down a bit at that point, but he was still top 10 in the league and, you know, pretty much everything. So uh, a little bit perplexing, I guess, just because, you know, the Lakers didn't have a great amount of team success, you know, pre-Magic Johnson that he... Uh, didn't kind of get the credit that he may have deserved there, but yeah, he definitely, right. um, you know, if not winning the MVP, at least, you know, 
was worthy of better consideration than he got definitely in those years. Yeah, it, it's strange to look at kind of his history. He either wins the award or he's just like not really in the running all that much as we were given that it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And obviously he won many of them, so it's not that big of a deal. But like you look at his award shares, you know, finishes third his rookie year. Uh, then he gets, you know, two straight. Then he finishes second, as we said. Then he wins another. And then there's like, you know, he, he finishes fifth and then he wins two more. But then he's fourth, fourth, wins another, third, tenth, tenth, fourth, fourth, fifth. And it's just like, it, it's a strange, you know, way that it goes, especially some of those tenth, you know, in the, in the early 80s or whatever where it's just yeah it's just strange that he either yeah was either in the mix uh in terms of like he's gonna win it and, and there's no doubt or, or like yeah he's he's you know not anywhere near the contention or whatever which is, is just really strange for a guy of, of his quality and, and his level but there, there's something to be said for fatigue or some other things and and, and things could have played into it uh, as well but yeah just definitely fascinating to see him you know not necessarily that much runner up uh you would assume that he'd be there a lot more uh move on to another guy who actually has two uh you know uh runner-ups here bob mcadoo 1974 and 1976 uh so this is sandwiched between a, an mvp award in 1975 so 74 he finishes second 75 he wins it 76 he finishes second again uh both 74 and 76 were close votes kareem won um 528 to 5 uh 451 and then in another year uh 409 to 393 so mcadoo was right on his tail uh 1976 was a very close three-way race between cowens as well because he was in uh cowens finished third uh, dave cowens of course uh, McAdoo, he was close in quality in 1974, but not really in 1976. Uh, the Lakers um, were also 40 and 42 that season, so it's a, it's a little interesting there. Uh, and then he kind of falls off. I mean, he's really not in contention really that much else after that. He'd be traded the next season to the Braves, then the Knicks, and remain an effective, you know, lesser player. We talked about him a, a few weeks ago on the show about sort of the strange career that he's had. Um, and, yeah, he bounced around, be in weird situations, deal with injuries, never quite found his footing. He would then, you know, kind of revive his career as, as, as the six-man and bench guy in, in the Showtime Lakers, but he never quite reached that level again. And you can see it in the MVP voting, too. 1976 or 78, he finishes 10th, and then he's never again in the running, and, and it sort of fits his career. It's interesting. There's really high highs and then a bunch of lows, and it's kind of inexplicable and, and weird and, and strange. But uh, that's that's unfortunately Bob McAdoo's uh, MVP career. But he got one, but uh, two runner-ups as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Dave Cowens had the runner-up in uh, 75. It was basically uh, Kareem, Cowens, and uh, McAdoo who were in the running for these awards for a few years there. Um, and he won it in 73. We already talked about that where it's understandable why he won, but Kareem definitely seemed to have the much better statistical resume. Um, and Cowens also won the Sam Davis Award this year, which was the last time it apparently was uh, awarded, at least the records that we have of it being awarded. Um, and it's a little bit odd choice for him. Um, and McAdoo, you know, he definitely was the number one guy here. Um, Kareem was still worthy, but he was less worthy than usual. He missed uh, a few games, and um, his numbers were a little bit down. He actually finished fifth. Um, Rick Barry was fourth, also had a strong year, and, and will definitely tell you he should have been the MVP. And if he caught this postseason, he probably should have been. But a regular season award, maybe not quite. Um, Cowens only played in 65 games that year, and his numbers were, you know, good, but nothing super. Uh, Kareem actually uh, also played 65 games this year. The Bucks were 33-14 and 14 without him and finished 38-44, and 44, so that was part of the reason that, you know, he didn't get much consideration. Uh, the Celtics, they won 60 games as, as did the Bullets, and Alvin Hayes, was who was their best player, probably was third in voting that year, so... Um, it kind of straight me not again. It was second place, not the end of the world. It was clearly uh, McAdoo's year, but um, you know the the fact that you know um, yeah, that that was one of the stranger ones uh, in terms of that goes, especially him winning the Sam Davis Award over McAdoo. That that is almost inexplicable. I, that one I have a hard time imagining. I guess that's part of why they retired the award because you know once you, once you do that, there's uh, no going back. There's no going back. Yeah, it's over. That. <laughs> but uh, next guy we're talking about here is Bill Walton, 1977, and and he finishes runner up on. And, 
1977. Walton has the perfect MVP history basically for his career because he, he emerges in the conversation during his sophomore year. And then finally, when he's healthy, he becomes the runner-up. And then he eventually becomes the winner in 1978. It's just like the perfect thing and, and you know, the perfect storm. And then obviously he's never in there again and completely falls off the face of the earth. And you know, there's never you know contention ever again. But that's kind of the Bill Walton thing. But uh, we'll focus on 77, though. Uh, and that's obviously when Walton and the Blazers became the Cinderella team of the NBA. Uh, Walton led the NBA in both rebounds per game and block shots per game that season. Uh, he's named the NBA's all-first uh, uh, team, all-defensive all team, and the NBA's all-second team uh, for his regular season accomplishments. In the postseason, I uh, led Portland to a sweep of the Los Angeles Lakers in the conference finals and then went on to help the Blazers, of course, win the NBA title over the favored 76ers despite losing the first games of the series. Walton was also named finals MVP that year as well. So... As far as the MVP case, though, eh, not really. Uh, Kareem did eventually win it, uh, and he finished atop the league, uh, 17.8 win shares, uh, far above even when his closest competitor, Aris Gilmore, was at 12.2. Um, Kareem was second in the league in scoring that year, just behind Pistol Pete Maravich. I have second in rebounding, just behind Walton. And he tied for first in blocks with Walton as well. So Walton has kind of the gaudy, you know, stats. The win shares aren't quite there or whatever, but, you know, scoring numbers aren't quite there like where it is with the other guys. But yeah, Kareem is definitely a a good winner for this year. Walton as a runner up, eh, I mean, there's maybe a case to be made. I mean, definitely a gaudy numbers. And and more than anything, uh, for a story of the year, definitely Bill Walton and and the the Portland Trailblazers are definitely that story of the year that you're going to want to kind of look at. Um, for what it's worth, Walton did win the MVP award the next season. He was 12th in win shares that year as well. So he doesn't really jump off the page, you know, in terms of win shares. But to be fair, he got hurt, um, and he was just about as valuable as you come. I mean, they won, you know, uh, the Blazers won 50 of the first 60 games uh, that year before Walton, of course, suffered his broken foot. Um, and then, yeah, he won MVP that season. Uh, he was a Sporting News NBA MVP as well. Uh, he played his only All-Star game that year, uh, and he was named the NBA's first All-Defensive Team and All-NBA First Team as well. So with the one year he wins, unfortunately he gets hurt, but it's obviously the value there, you know, with Bill Walton. And the hope is that, hey, you know, whatever, when he's healthy, <laughs> there'll be many more of these to come. And, of course, there, there wasn't. But finished second, you know, in 1977, finishes first 1978, and then never again uh, in the MVP race. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, that is right, uh, and it's really interesting because yeah, yeah, the year that he wins, he only plays fifty-eight games, which is by far the least that an MVP's ever won, and it's a a voting total. You know, the, the share of it was only forty percent, which is very low for the actual winner because again, that was a hard decision for the voters, and we'll, we'll get into that with the next guy, um, who's uh, I think a little bit of a surprise to have been a runner-up twice. Uh, George Gervin, both in seventy-eight and seventy-nine, was the uh, runner-up for um, MVP and uh, and came very close in 78, actually. He, uh, he uh, Walton had 96 points, and uh, Gervin had 80.5 points, so pretty good um, there. He played all 82 games to Walton's 58. Uh, David Thompson was a distant third, although, um, interestingly, uh, Thompson and Gervin had almost identical sickle seasons, um, if you look at uh, points per game. And, in fact, they famously had their... Um, their uh, last game of the season where uh, Thompson had 71 points and Gervin had 63 points. So they were dealing for the scoring title. Uh, and uh, other stats were right up there where they, you know, you look at the percentages, you look at um, their advanced stats, you look at kind of everything that they were doing that year. It was almost um, identical. Um, and, um, and, you know, like I said, as you talked about with Walton previously, you know, either kind of had a, a stat case over Walton and Kareem did as well. But, you know, the Walton choice makes sense under circumstances, and Walton might be another one of those guys where some of those numbers don't cap. There's other stats, you know, uh, that might capture him better than that did. Um, 
yeah, it, 79, you know, Gervin was pretty distant to um, Moses Ballone, where you know, Moses, that was his first year he won the MVP at age 23. The Rockets had improved from 28 to 47 wins, and he emerged as a superstar. Uh, and he and Kareem were probably the best choices available. Moses had the better narrative. You know, Gervin had another really good scoring year, but, you know, wasn't doing a whole lot other than that, obviously. Yeah, and that year, I mean, you, you definitely look at that. You look at, you know, Moses sort of emerging as, as a star in the league and in a league, you know, sort of searching for stars this time as, as, as some other guys had sort of moved on or whatever, and the league's obviously going through some you know, some interesting times at this time, too. And then the Rockets improving, you know, as much as they did, almost by 20 uh, wins, you know, 19 wins or whatever. That, that you know, yeah, you, you, Moses is one of those guys. When, when you talk about the MVP, a lot of times there are going to be years where maybe if there's, like, a statistical case for, for two guys, the guy that's a better story, the guy that's the story of the year will often win it. I mean, we look at it. There's quite a few examples. We'll get to them here in a little bit. And Moses that year is obviously the story. You can give it to Kareem if you want. I mean, that's fine, <laughs> whatever. But it's like, you know, you, you got this fun little story in Moses, and it, it, it's kind of a good way to sort of kickstart his superstardom in in this case but you know obviously things go the way they go but yeah i mean it was definitely um narrative does drive a lot of these as well and in this case it's, it's obvious that when you have two guys that are pretty similar that the narrative is going to win out yeah i do think that gervin gets a little bit lost when we have the discussions about the best shooting guards ever um i mean i know that you know gervin his kind of repetition was that he pretty much scored and really didn't do a whole lot of else, but but he scored really really well. Yeah, right. I mean, he was <laughs> I mean, really if you're very efficient. Good at yeah, that thing. Then yeah, you know, okay. That's you know, that's 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 a talent if you're very good at one thing and, and elite at it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely yeah, with you and, there. Yeah, and, and the Spurs were a very good team, you know, pretty much his entire career. So you know that he certainly led them to a lot of team success as well. And you know, it's hard to ask for uh, to, for more than that. No, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, so next, yeah, we have uh, Julius Irving, who finished second in uh, 1980. Um, he had, of course, won three MVPs in the uh, ABA. Uh, but it, from 77 to 80, he really didn't have um, – he kind of had – or excuse me, 77 to uh, 79, he had relatively weak statistical years. He was barely, barely on the fringes of any MP, MVP consideration, um, dealt with a lot of nagging injuries and sharing the ball with lots of shoot-first players uh, that he was playing with in uh, Philly. Eventually, they, they – traded away those guys and kind of formed a team that better fit his strengths and from 79 to 80 he improved from a 20.1 to a 25.4 per a 1.36 to 2.13 winchester 48 and a 3.6 to 7.2 box score plus minus so basically yeah really dramatic improvements in his and uh, everything that he did and basically you know for the next three or four years was you know pretty much at that level would finally win the nba mvp the uh, next season in uh in 81 but yeah it's, it's sort of and he was a pretty distant second that year for kareem's final mvp year that was you know kareem really was the his last, you know, extremely, extremely stout superstar season where he, you know, he was still really, really good, you know, top, you know, still top 10 player for quite a few more years. But in terms of, you know, being MVP quality player, that was really the end there. But, you know, great, great final uh, year for that, you know, his 12th year in the league. Certainly, uh, that, that's a good run. Absolutely. You know, definitely. <laughs> obviously, obviously a good run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our next guy here, uh, Larry Bird. Uh, interesting enough, and this is a guy like, when we talked about Kareem a little bit earlier, that he didn't have a ton of runners up, but he felt like he should have always been in the mix. That's kind of what you get with Larry Bird. He finishes second in 81, 82, 83, and then 88. Obviously, he's got award wins in, in 84, 85, and 86. Uh, but yeah, this is basically what you would imagine, like a guy that's, you know, always sort of in the mix, doesn't always win it, but at least, you know, there's many times where he's either the, the, the winner or the runner-up. Uh, Bird narrowly lost the 81 MVP, uh, 454 to 423 votes to Julius Irving, as you mentioned. Uh, this is the first media vote as well. Uh, voters might have gotten a little ahead of themselves, as Kareem and Moses probably had better cases than Bird. And, you know, there might have been a bias against big men from writers. There might have been other bias. 
biases, you know, at, at large, which, you know, not to say that the writers of the time might have uh, saw other things in those uh, three players, Kareem, Moses, and Larry Bird, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, the voters also did weird stuff. They gave, like, first place votes to Phil Ford and Kelvin Ramsey, Ramsey and we, we see this stuff, like, it, it, I think it's a little bit more prevalent in baseball. Uh, MVP, you still see it a few times in, in, in NBA, and we'll talk about one particular example coming up in, here in a little bit, but sometimes it's like, hey, I'm the beat writer for, like, this guy's team, and he, you know, gives me good interviews, so I'm going to, like, vote him number one, but it's like, come on, man, like, you're really screwing everything up, and there's just, like, random dudes that just get, like, one MVP vote, and sometimes it sways the vote and all that sort of stuff. It's like, don't do that. Just, you know, just vote for the guys that, that deserve it, but uh, uh, 1982, Bird lost by 101 votes to Moses, uh, though both he and Irving had pretty strong cases as well. Uh, the Rockets were only 46 and 36 at that time. Um, and really, the rest of the team wasn't very good either. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess it makes sense why why Moses won that one. But pretty interesting there. Uh, 1983 was Moses' year. Uh, he topped Bird 720 to 364. Uh, Magic was third um, at 304.5. That was his first real significant showing. So Magic sort of emerges as an MVP candidate this year. Uh, Bird loses out big to Moses Malone, but obviously would have a few a uh, little run there because he'd obviously win in 84, 85, and 86. So Bird would get three in a row after that. And then he pops up in 1988 again. It's uh, pretty interesting then that he finishes ahead of Magic in the MVP. He loses again to uh, to Michael Jordan this year. Uh, Michael Jordan wins the 1988 MVP. Uh, Magic's stats were pretty much down across the board from his 1987 MVP season. Uh, and he would, you know, bounce back, you know, until he retired in 1991. But yeah, kind of interesting that Bird uh, finished ahead of Magic at this point. Because Bird, you're starting to see, I mean, he's still a very good player at this point, but you're starting to see the cracks. You're starting to see, you know, that other guys have gotten better. Obviously, Michael Jordan sort of emerges and, and Magic sort of weathers age a little bit better at this point where Bird's starting to fall off a little bit, but yet Bird still finishes second. Um, and yeah, in the 1988 season, it wasn't really that terrible, though. I mean, he was second in PR, third in box plus minus, third in win shares per 48. So, you know, there's some counting stats where he might not have jumped off the page, but this is really his his final elite, you know, relatively healthy season for Bird in 1988 and his last little gasp at uh, MVP, uh, you know, relevance. In 1990, he finishes 10th. In 1991, he finishes 9th. And then in 1992, he finishes 14th. But those are pretty much legacy awards at that point, particularly the 1992 one uh, as well. But uh, yeah, so uh, this is about where you would assume a, like a, 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 an all-star guy would be is you know always in the running maybe always runner-up winner or runner-up a lot of times but yeah it, it fits a little bit more um, with what I would believe you know would be a star level and that's why it was so interesting that Kareem never did have that big run of second place finishes like like Bird did right yeah because he had six years in a row uh Bird did where he was second or a uh, first yeah. and uh and seven you know finishes at first or second in his career which is uh up there I, th- I think Jordan uh and Kareem technically adds more but that's because he won six you know and only had the one runner-up where yeah right. you know, Bird was kind of a, a balance of both and, and Jordan I think is the only other guy who has uh more combined than uh they do but um interesting stuff so uh, a guy who was not really ever uh, in the MVP conversation except for one year, a uh, former guest of the uh, program, uh, Bernard King, who was uh, number two in 84, one of uh, Larry Bird's uh, first MVP uh, season. And uh, yeah, he did have very, very small amount of recognition with the Warriors in uh, 81 and 82. was 14th uh, both uh, years. Um, then he would go to the Knicks and also get a very low amount of votes with 16th as the uh, as he kind of led the Knicks back to, a little bit to relevance. And 84, of course, his most publicized year. Um, and um, he actually had an even better year in 85. Uh, he led the league in scoring at 32.9 points per game and was just, you know, really, really well-round player. The issue is that that was when he suffered his knee injury and he, he missed, mm-hmm. you know, the end of the season. And that, of course, did him. And I, I think he was still uh, first team in the league uh, that year or was he had a high All-NBA vote that year despite what he did. But, yeah, he was third in the league in scoring in 84. Uh, he was uh, at 12.1 win shares. He was fourth among MVP voters. His win shares were 48. Tread only Adrian Dantley. So, um, you know, obviously, I mean, 
I think Berg was clearly the superior player as well. They, of course, had their great uh, duel uh, that season. So I don't, I don't think, outside the Big Apple, not really too much controversy over uh, this pick. And uh, Bernard King did, did actually win the uh, Sporting News NBA MVP that year, which was, again, the first year that they that had differed in about a dozen years. So, um, And they would begin to differ a little bit more as we go through the rest of this. So, yeah. uh, you know, worth uh, noting there. Uh, so next we got Magic Johnson, who was uh, second place in 85 and uh, 91 um, and was a very distant second 85. Bird was very dominant that year in voting. It was 763 to 264. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic actually had better uh, award shares the previous uh, two seasons despite finishing third in, in both. So um, sometimes the rankings don't always tell the, the, the story, but it's always difficult to sort of convey the award shares as well. But yeah, he actually got a better share of it the previous seasons. Um, in 91, he was a little bit closer, but not really much. Uh, he lost to 891 to 497 to Jordan. I think this was really, obviously 91, I think was clearly the year where, you know, there was, there wasn't really no, no more of a dispute of who the best player in the league was. It was, it had clearly been Jordan where the previous two or three years, it was, you know, pretty much Jordan versus magic. Some people were thinking, Barkley at the time as well, but that was really you know they they were definitely the top two um, you know favorites in terms of best player in the league. Maybe with a few holdouts who still you know who thought Larry Bird might be still be the best. You know, a few, a few racists there here and there, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, I think that was basically it. So. I do like that uh, Magic in uh, uh, 1996 when he came back. He finished 12th in MVP voting that year. Which uh, yeah, I well mean, there you go. I yeah. mean, okay, that's, hey, okay, that's All fine. Right. I I mean, all right, well, guys, that's, sure. that's cool, but no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's, you know, yeah. whatever. Tied with Charles Barkley that year, just in case you're curious. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Only played 32 games, but that's all right. Hey. Hey, hey, you know, I give him a nice, you know, nice little, uh, nice little honor for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Dominique Wilkins, another kind of odd choice in uh, or out of nowhere choice. I mean, he, he, I wouldn't say he wasn't deserving here in 86. Um, he finished second to uh, Bird, although he was the only other player to get uh, first place. Suppose that year he had five to Bird's 73. Uh, and the Hawks had, you know, gone from 34 to 50 wins the previous season. Wilkins left the league in scoring uh, 30.3 points per game. So, you know, um, he probably shouldn't have finished ahead of Magic Johnson, but it, not like it wasn't undefensible. I mean, they were a really good team that year. You actually had a, an even stronger season in 87, but only finished fifth in the league and MVP uh, voting uh, that year. So another guy who was you know, a little bit one-dimensional in terms of you know really being a great scorer and, and not necessarily doing a whole lot of you know, playmaking or other defense or other things. But uh, that one dimension that he had was he was absolutely incredible at so. <laughs> For sure, yeah, and, and and his award shares are kind of interesting because he obviously, as you mentioned, you know, he finished second in 1986, uh, 87th, 88th, 1991 8th, 93rd, 5th, and and really though, I, I don't really argue with that all that much. That's kind of where Dominique Wilkins should, should kind of be. Like you know, he's, he was as you said, he was very good at one thing, and, and and there's so many other talents in the league right now that are, are a little bit better and a little bit more well-rounded. So that's about where you think he would finish, but still, it comes in second in 1986. So at least he you know got pretty close in that year. Um, and and yeah, it's not like he didn't deserve it as well. There's a lot of really good narrative around that too of the Hawks you know improving him leading the league and scoring and, and him kind of emerging as, as as their leader or whatever so it definitely makes sense that he would he would get to that level uh, as well so not not totally out of the realm of possibility but yeah just interesting uh, MVP career for for Dominic. Yeah, yeah similar reasoning for the um for the Bernard King yeah right 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 84, pretty much the same kind of thing so um 
so a guy who uh, used to finish, usually finish first, but he also finished second three times, Michael Jordan, uh, in 87, 89, and 97 finished uh, second. It's worth noting that uh, the other MVPs disagreed with this. Uh, he won the uh, Sporting News and Basketball Digest MVPs in 89 and in 97. Uh, this was over Magic and over Carl Lone, although in uh, 93, both publications went with Charles Barkley, so they, uh, so, so they uh, did not agree with him in... Um, he actually finished third in uh, '93, but mm-hmm. still, he they did they did choose Barkley there. So that was the only time where uh, Jordan, you know, um, didn't get the MVP uh, there. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't have '87 in front of me to see who was uh, chosen for uh, that. Let me, let me pull it up for uh, a minute. So yeah, '87 they. Uh, Magic was the Sporting News um, MVP as uh, well, and Basketball Die just also went with Magic. So Magic, okay, so Magic that year, sweep, yeah, which makes sense. Yes, but um, nevertheless, so yeah, obviously, you, if you combine the six MVPs and the three second place finishes, <laughs> I, I think he he has the most of anybody when you uh, combine those two things. And we, we we talked about the '97 race before, where you know it, it was pretty much toss up between him and Malone in both '97 and uh, and '98. Both were definitely you know pretty worthy. I don't blame anyone who would say Jordan should win it over Malone, but you know Carl got. His, his one i guess he ended up getting two once jordan was retired but nevertheless you know uh it, it was fine pretty much either way no absolutely and, and jordan's mvp you know career is pretty interesting too you know obviously he, he comes in 80, 87 he comes in second as we mentioned 88 he kind of wins it which is very i mean pretty early in his career that he's already kind of winning this but it, it makes sense he's, he's emerging as you know a dominant player and then he pretty much is always in the conversation then the rest of his career you know 88 he wins it a 92nd 90 he's third 91 he wins it 92 he wins it 93 he's third again he retires you know comes back in 95 still finishes 11th and then wins it 96, second in 97, then wins it again in 98. So pretty much in the conversation, pretty much from 1988 until 1998. So pretty much for 10 years in the conversation every single time. Finishes no less in, in a full season than third is his worst finish in any of those years. And it's hard to argue that. I mean, he's Michael Jordan, also good. <laughs> Joins Bill Russell in the very good career category. <laughs> yeah, well, if nothing else, we've said all those things. So that's good today. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Charles Barkley, 1990, this is a really, uh, infamously close MVP race. We discussed it before. Barkley had the most first place votes, but finished second to a magic. The point total was 636 to 614 and Jordan was third with 564 points. Um, and, uh, yeah, the reason kind of behind this is interesting because, you know, Barkley wasn't necessarily a, I mean, the six had gradually improved. They were 53 wins in 90. They were 46 the year before and 36 the year before that. So, um, you know, in, he didn't really individually improve significantly either, but yet, you know, the, the, I guess the steady win improvement helped and the idea that he had matured. Uh, he actually did win the Sporting News MVP this year. Uh, Basketball Die just picked Patrick Ewing of all people, who was fifth in the MVP vote. And Ewing did have a good year, but it was sort of just, that, that was a little bit out of nowhere uh, that he uh, won that one. Um, it is interesting. I, I found a Chicago Tribune article that the headline was something like you know how could michael jordan have finished third in the mvp voting um and it quoted uh sean powell who was a miami herald sports writer at the time as now with nba.com and he said um i think michael has bought us to death put us asleep in a way and um he voted Barkley first, Jordan second, and Magic third. He said, I really wrestled with it because I saw it as more of a personal preference than, is this guy better than that guy? I mean, who in their right mind can say that Barkley is better than Jordan? I voted for Charles because I think he had grown as a player, pa- player, passing, scoring, rebounding, and during the regular season, I think he grew as a person, being more civil to his teammates. And then he refers to an incident during the playoffs, I think it was when they it happened, where he had... Um, yelled at Mike Gaminski to uh and, and told them to get this guy out of here and it kind of come unglued 
during the playoff series against the Bulls. So that kind of undercut that. Of course, by then the uh, the voting had happened, and they said uh, this is for the regular season. If it's for the playoffs, Michael is unanimous choice. So I think that was interesting in not not surprising necessarily, but interesting insight from a voter yeah. during that time, and probably you know kind of gave the consensus there as like you know we we kind of want somebody different. You know, Barkley is so <laughs> Jordan is so maturity here. So it's too good. Right. He's boring. We're done with it. Over. Yeah, and, and really, Magic was the guy who was winning them at this point. Jordan had only won the, won the one in 88. You know, Magic had won it in 87 and 89. This was his Yeah, it's not like he had six MVP in a row, and it's like, so, oh, this is getting boring. Let's put another guy in there. It's like, well, I mean, geez, he's, he's, like, he's right. only won one. Like, we've been in, the, in yeah. the race for, like, three years. Like, let's maybe, you know, I get bored of him yeah, quite yet. Yeah, I mean, was 1990, right. you're bored but, of Michael Jordan. I have, I have a, a, a unfortunate thing for Sean Powell. He'd be bored for about ten more years. Cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this was the first year that Barkley was, you know, a serious candidate right, right. for it. He'd gotten some votes in previous years, but this was the first year that, you know, it was like he he was the new guy in the MVP-ish type club. So Yeah, which is interesting, though, because obviously, and, and I guess it sort of matches with Barkley's peak as well, but he doesn't really emerge all that much. I mean, second in 1990, uh, he falls back to fourth in 91, falls all the way to 12th in 1992, then 93 goes to Phoenix. You know, obviously, they go on a huge run. He wins the MVP that year. Then it's he doesn't really ever come back again, which is sort of about where you'd put it. In 94, he's 10th. You know, 95, he's he's sixth. And then by 96 and 97, he's just getting votes because he's Charles Barkley. <laughs> Anybody who voted him in 1997 uh, should probably get But, I mean, it was like he got like .002% or whatever. So, it's like, see, he was completely irrelevant at 16th. But, uh, yeah, pretty much only relevancy up until about 1993. But, yeah, this is a little peak here where you get about five years where, where he's in the mix. And then he completely falls off and, and drops away. Clyde Drexler, 1992. Yeah, this is this is really an interesting one because he has a, a, a you know we talk about MVP award histories and and, and you know war, award shares and whatnot. He floats around for a while. Clyde Drexler. He's always kind of in the mix, never really quite up there until 1992 when he uh, his age 29 season. That's when he finishes second. Uh, he re- he had received consideration like the four prior seasons, but only really been top five once uh, when he finished 1992. In you know in 1992 he finished the second. Uh, this is his first time on the All NBA first team as well. So this was a year where he definitely broke out. It wasn't like just out of nowhere MVP voters decided. Ah, this year Clyde Drexler, like he had gotten better. I mean, this is his peak year was this year, so it was kind of interesting to see the, the you know the voting obviously reflect that. Uh, he finishes second to Jordan, uh, despite better cases probably being made for guys like Karl Malone, David Robinson, John Stockton, Patrick Ewing. But the Blazers were a great team that year, and, and Drexler, of course, because he had hung around for so long, kind of a good story as well to kind of put him up there. I mean, the Blazers, as I said, great team, uh, fifty-seven and twenty-five. Uh, they eventually meet you know MVP winner Michael Jordan um, and the Bulls in the NBA Finals, and you know how that goes. Uh, Jordan the Bulls won. Uh, Bulls went on, of course, to win their second consecutive chi- uh, title. Uh, in the six-game series, though, Drexler, he averages 24.8 points, 7.8 rebounds, and 5.3 assists per game. So, again, like it's not like he doesn't deserve it. He's a great player at this point. He's leading a really good Blazers team, so he definitely should be in the mix. Um, as far as, you know, the, where his history would go after this, he'd be in top 15 uh, in MVP voting for two more seasons, 92 and 95, but then pretty much fall out after that. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting if you go over his, his history. So, 85, he's second, or uh, 22nd, I should say. 88, he's fifth. 90, he's 12th. 91, he's sixth. 92, he's second, so he pops up again. And then he just kind of falls off again. 93, 10th, um, 14th in 1995. So, you know, he's got the few little years where he pops up, few years where he's doing okay, and then obviously the year where he finishes second. But uh, not really – doesn't have an overwhelming case that he should have absolutely won that year. But uh, still kind of cool that, that he got one runner-up in there. Yeah, and it, not too far off from the other, you know, the, the although Drexler led his team to, I think he was a more complete player and led his team to better success than like Wilkins or King did, but it was kind of a similar thing yeah. where mm-hmm. you know, he's a great scorer, you know, he, he deserves some credit. Yeah, this was the second year they'd won. They'd gone to the uh, finals and ended, ended up being that team, so they were, you know, they'd, they'd be in the top tier for, uh, you know, for three or four years kind of emerging, you know, battling with the Lakers for, you know, conference finals and that kind of thing, so... 
Uh, moving on to 1993, Akeem Olajuwon. And um, it, it's interesting that he, he was kind of all over the map when it came to voting. Um, he had top five showings in 86 and um, 89. So, some significant support there, like around the 20% mark in, in award shares. But very little support in 87, 88, and 90 through 92. Although he had pretty much similar production almost every season during that time. And we talked previously um, on how he and the Rockets kind of had some mid time, some rough times between that finals appearance and the uh, mid 1990s. So it was you know, his reputation was very different than it later became once he started winning championships. Um, but in '93, he did have career highs in um, in PER and true shooting percentage and boxer plus minus in points per game and the Rockets probably more importantly for the award improved from 42 to 55 wins in his first year under Rudy T and although it's not relevant for MVP they advanced to the uh, second round for the first time since uh, 87 so uh you know obviously they were uh, no the voters not know this at the time but they were about to emerge you know as a a championship team back to back after you know so they were definitely on the rise at this point and that that obviously had an influence on him getting that second place finish and eventually becoming MVP the next year yeah and 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 the kind of the award flows with basically what his career would kind of be you know the real highs there in 1986 he's fourth and then there's the time where it's it, you know he's, he's seventh and you know 1991 he's 18th or whatever and this is it, it, it meshes well with Hakeem's career and there was a lot of questions about Hakeem and questions about the Rockets and whether this guy's a leader and then by 93 like you said it starts popping up again there in 94 he wins the award and then you know obviously the, the, they're a title team now so it's kind of interesting to see it kind of flow that way and then you know quickly then thereafter in the conversation for a few more years in 95 96 97 and then by 1999 he's completely out of it and 98 he's, he's, he's done and never gets any uh, more awards there but yeah pretty cool to see kind of two different peaks there with Hakeem which sort of matches with how his career went as well with the two different peaks where you have the early early peak of his career then kind of you know a valley there <laughs> for a while and then the Rockets you know then emerge under Rudy Themdanovich and, and a few other guys and, and really uh, become a title team so it's pretty cool to see uh, see it kind of match his career in that way yeah for sure so, uh, and speaking of uh, 94, uh, David Robinson finished second in uh, MVP. He uh, he won the uh, Basketball Digest Award 94, but uh, finished uh, second to Akeem, both an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year Award. Um, uh, both uh, Akeem and Robinson were very close to traditional stats, but Robinson's advanced metrics, for whatever reason, were um, were, were much better as they generally were for throughout their careers. Uh, of course, the Admiral did win the MVP in 95. Uh, Akeem finished fifth that year, but infamously lost the uh, playoff series in Dream. Um, I'll duel with him in that series. There's a lot of video, of course, of uh, Akeem embarrassing Robinson in that series. Um, Robinson then bounced back, was a distant second to Jordan in uh, 96, but 72 and 10 record will uh, do that. Um, and uh, Penny Hardaway, Akeem Olajuwon, and Carl Malone all somehow got first place of votes that year. If there was any year where you were going to have an undisputed MVP, that, that probably would have been a, a, a strong year for uh, Jordan to uh, do. But Robinson, despite not having a first place vote, was second uh, ahead of all those guys. So, mm-hmm. fun fact. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun. Yeah. We're nothing if not yeah. a, a Trevor Trove, <laughs> treasure trove of yeah. fun facts on the show. So Yeah. And uh and he was a, a, a generally a serious candidate. He was third in ninety one and uh ninety two, uh, you know, in MVP. The other years he was you know, kind of a marginal candidate toward the end of his career, like ninety nine and oh one. He popped up but but really, you know, only uh was twelfth in ninety nine, was tenth in, in two thousand one, so not a serious candidate by any point. Ninety six was really the last year where he was, you know, after he got hurt, he was not quite the same player and of course 
Tim was playing with Tim Duncan, so they were going to share the credit for you know their accomplishments there. All right, our next guy here is Shaquille O'Neal, nineteen ninety five and two thousand and five. This is interesting here. I think this is the first case of a. I mean, we have a Jordan who had a pretty big gap. It's a ten year gap between second place finishes for Shaquille O'Neal, but it fits pretty well. I mean, that's kind of how the Shaq's career went. Uh, he wins the Basketball Digest Award in nineteen ninety five and the Sporting News MVP in two thousand five. So he's got cases in both those years, and, and obviously comes home with some some hardware in both those years as well. Even if he doesn't win the true MVP one, but uh, Shaq is similar to Hakeem, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, some odds, peaks, and valleys when it comes to MVP placement. He uh, in two, he won it in two thousand, and he had strong consideration in ninety four, ninety eight, two thousand one, and two thousand two. But otherwise, he's pretty much on the fringes or an afterthought. He dealt with injuries, of course, in ninety six and ninety seven, and then in the early two thousands, he's kind of trying to find his footing with the Lakers and and, and whatnot, and and. Um, you know, after having that the peak with with you know the Kobe check years, and then there's kind of those weird lean years, and then obviously there's the Miami uh, stretch as well. But uh, yeah, 2005 is an interesting one. Uh, so or, uh, I'll start with 1995. He led the league in scoring in 1995, but his rival uh, David Robinson won the MVP uh, without much dispute at the time. I mean, David Robinson should have won the MVP that year, and, and despite whatever Hakeem Olajuwon wants to say, it was a great, great award for David Robinson. He absolutely should have won it that year. But uh, yeah, Shaq, uh, you know, emerges from that point in, in 1995 and he looks like a definite contender uh, to be in the award for a while. But interestingly enough, he doesn't really get there right away. Because, you know, in 1996, he finishes ninth. 1997, he finishes ninth, as we said. 1998, he's starting to get back, you know, within the swing of things. But he finishes fourth. 1999, he's sixth. And it wasn't until 2000 that he would eventually win the one. Um, but, yeah, uh, we get all the way to 2005, though. So, you got uh, – again, I'll just kind of go over the history real quick because I think it gives a nice little context. Uh, 2001, he's third. 2002, he's third. 2003, he's fifth. 2004, he's sixth. And then in 2005, he gets to second again. Pretty contentious debate, though, because you got Shaq, Nash, Dirk, Duncan, and LeBron. Um, and LeBron finishes six. He's only 20 at this point, too, which is just nuts. Uh, but they have excellent seasons. Shaq and Nash were the clear frontrunners, uh, taking all but four of the first-place votes. And Sh- uh, uh, Nash actually won by a narrow 34-point margin. Shaq had been pretty vocal about believing that he should have won both of Nash's MVPs. I'm not sure about that. Maybe this one he's got a pretty good case, but really Dirk has a better case than both of them. Uh, Tim Duncan might have a better case as well, and LeBron has an incredible case this year, uh, you know, it, you know, even though he doesn't get a first place vote, he definitely has a case as well. So, despite the fact that Shaq is very upset about this award and the other MVP award, like there's cases for other guys. Yeah, he maybe should have won this one, but I think that that Dirk was definitely a great candidate, and I think Nash was was a pretty good candidate too. But Shaq definitely has has a case uh, in this year in 2005, and then of course he would never really be in the mix again in 2007. He would have finished 12th, but then you know that was kind of the peak uh, my for 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 Miami Shaq, and of course he didn't win any uh, MVP consideration as as Cavs or Celtics Shaq, so uh, or Suns Shaq, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting there. That yeah, I, I are you kind of surprised that he only won one MVP, Shaquille O'Neal? Like it felt like he was more dominant, but I don't know. It's it's weird. He kind of came in a weird time where where you know the old guys were still reigning with Malone and Jordan or whatnot, and then when those guys retired, he you know had some issues and couldn't quite get to that level again. But he was like the most dominant player for a few years. It's just very interesting that he didn't uh, didn't win a few more. Yeah, I, I think there's a maybe unfair, but the. the thought that he underachieved in his career um you know whether whether it was he didn't stay in shape or you know he didn't always take basketball seriously or what have you I mean he was obviously incredible at his peak uh he probably you know like I think 05 either way it's pretty much a toss-up I think Shaq could have been the winner but he definitely didn't absolutely need to be and and yeah honestly like there are a lot of years where he played like 60 65 games and if he played you know 75 to 80 games he probably would have been mvp but just because like 98 for instance you know where he was he was really really good well jordan was probably winning it that year but nevertheless i mean he was he would have had a better showing that year and you know the 
0102 where yeah the, the lakers are winning championships and you know absolutely of course the, the peak both of that team and individually like yeah if he had played full seasons he probably would have been mvp over you know duncan or garnett or whomever but because he you know only played you know uh 70 of the season he just he just didn't quite get it so i i think that probably has more to do with it than um anything else uh Interesting that that MVP comes right at the midpoint of the two second place finishes. It's sort of a nice little, um, uh, you know, nice little parallel thing <laughs> going on there. Sandwich. So, nice little yeah. sandwich for old Jack. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm sure he would eat and enjoy. So, <laughs> probably. Well, sandwiches are good, so I understand. Mm-hmm. So, and pro sandwiches um, as well. So. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's good. I'm glad we'll. Uh, I'm glad we're both pro sandwiches. We wouldn't want to get into like a fight on the internet about. But uh, we don't need to get. We definitely. I I refuse to ever get into a debate on the show about what constitutes a sandwich. Oh no, so please, yeah, just, let's uh, let's please never do that right. because that that right. always kind of irks me. I don't know why. <laughs> I get like rationally yeah. upset about that. There's somebody. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah, let's, it's, let's it's very strange. But anyway, all right. So moving on. Uh, Carl Malone, uh, 98 was uh, finished second to Jordan uh, in between his two MVP years that he um, won in fourth 97 and 99. Uh, he did get significant support in 89 and uh, 95 was was fifth or excuse me was um, third in 89 and was uh, was third also in uh, 95 he had 50 um, percent award share uh, that year it was kind of a fringe candidate more in 90 and 92 but got like about 25 percent of the votes uh, those year 25 percent award shares that those years so um, you know other than that didn't really have serious consideration um, uh, you know, until the uh, late '90s, uh, you know, when he went, went on his one-to-one uh, streak of uh, MVPs and his, his runner-up. But I don't have much more than that because we talked kind of a, a lot about the the award race between uh, Malone and Jordan mm-hmm. during uh, the time already. But you know, that's uh, yeah, he you know, as we I guess something that was sort of special about him is that he really you know he was so exceptional you know when, once he was past you know once when he was in the mid to late 30s that he just had that um you know he had a really really good career early on and you know but a lot of guys fall off and you know aren't particular you know he was you know like El- elgin baylor level career maybe his first 10 or years or so and then he had he maintained that greatness and even got kind of better when he was in his late 30s which is you know why he's so um you know had such an exceptional career yeah and i think what's what's really cool too is in 1988 he finishes eighth in mvp voting and then he would be in the top 10 until 2001 which is just nuts like that's, oh, that's yeah. a that's long run yeah, like right. that's a huge run yeah. of always being in the top 10 like you don't always win it you're not always a runner-up but top 10 every single one of those times and that's that's a hell of a legacy there hell of a run uh, just to stay healthy those years, because there's like a year where you get hurt and you know you finish the 15th or whatever. No, he's healthy every year and finishing the top 10 every year. So definitely one there. Let's uh, move on to Alonzo Mourning here. Uh, 1999, he finishes uh, second. There's really two years about Alonzo that are going to stand out, but uh, let's kind of circle back. Um, he joins the leagues in 1992. Doesn't get his first taste of MVP consideration until about 1996 when he finishes 14th as a member of the Heat. So really didn't get much as, as a Hornet. Starts getting some as, as a Heat. Uh, he'd be in the conversation for four out of the next five years. I finished 12th in 1997 uh, before finally coming up to a runner-up in 1999. Uh, in ninety nine, he really does have a case, but um, doesn't really stand out or seem like an egregious runner-up. He finished with uh, 7.9 win shares. Uh, he was six a month MVP finishers in that. Uh, eventual MVP winner was, of course, Carl Malone. We talked about that already. A lot of Carmelo talk going on here uh and there's really um you know, there's some controversy over this pick, mainly due to Malone having, you know, being kind of a boring pick and not having one of his best statistical seasons. If you go to any articles and look up, like, you know, worst, you know, MVP votes, or this one comes up all the time, and it's like, you know, Alonzo Mourning did this, and Alonzo Mourning did that, and Malone's boring. It's like, yeah, but Malone's still very good. Like, yes, it was one of his worst statistical seasons, but it's still a very good season because it's Carmelo Malone. So, kind of interesting in that. Um, 
you always see. Uh, Malone then finished uh, third the following year and arguably had a better year than it was before, but it was really Shaq's award to lose at that point, and he had all but one first-place vote. And that one first-place vote was for Allen Iverson, despite the fact that that year Allen Iverson had the lowest win shares of any, any MVP finisher, uh, and he only got a single vote. He got one vote, and it was a first-place vote. So not great, but that's uh, that's it. And for Zoe, like, yeah, I mean, 96, he's 14th, 97, he's 12th, 99, he's 2000, he's 3rd, and then that's it for Alonzo. And, of course, there was the issues with his health and, and whatnot. But, yeah, the fact that it took him a, a, quite a while to get into the conversation, he's there for a few years, and then he's out of it really quickly is, is kind of the, Malone, or the, the morning legacy there. So next we got Kevin Garnett, uh, who's uh, was second place in 2000 and 2003. Uh, 2000, he was a very distant second. Of course, that was Shaq's most dominant year. Um, and it, interesting that he this was the year that he got in that conversation because really he oh, he was pretty much a similar player the year before, but was not really in the conversation at all. It was tenth, and uh, this year was the second. But he did show some modest improvements. Uh, he was at 23 at this point and was uh, on the All NBA first team for the uh, first time. Uh, in 2003, it was a uh, was a stronger uh, second place showing. Um, a fairly close vote, 962 to 871, uh, finishing second to Tim Duncan in 2003. Although he was the uh, Basketball Digest uh, Player of the Year, which is the last year it that award was apparently uh, awarded. So, um, so he managed to get that one. He would have, of course become the MVP in the uh, next year in uh, 2004. Yeah, we'll move on to Tim Duncan here. He's kind of a boring MVP <laughs> career. Finishes uh, second in 2001, second in 2004, but he wins in 2002, 2003. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 2001 was kind of controversial, though, because um, uh, Iverson wins the MVP award that year. Uh, Duncan is a distant second at uh, you know 1,121 uh, votes for Iverson to 706 for Duncan. Uh, but, I mean, you can look at the numbers, and, and there's a really good case for Duncan that year. But we talk about narratives sometimes, and, and that was kind of the Allen Iverson narrative year. Makes all the sense in the world that he would win, and even if statistically – he might not be at that same level that Duncan was, but you know what? One is a sexier story than, and Tim Duncan's never going to be the sexier story, no matter what, unfortunately. But uh, that's all right. I mean, I guess he was a sexy story for a few years in the league, and then he became a not sexy story. But, but Iverson was sexy that year, so we're going to go with that. Uh, but after uh, Duncan won his MVP awards in 2002 and 2003, he was a dis- uh, distant runner-up in 2004 uh, to Garnett, and it was a really weird MVP year. If you look at this, it's it, it's one that's definitely the most 2004 you could possibly have an award because um, Jermaine O'Neal and Paige Stoyakovich were number three and number four and they each got first place votes can you imagine jermaine o'neill your nba mvp or pages stoyakovich you know you, you get your little ballot and you say you know what page is the man he's first place i it's uh, but you know at that time it, yeah you know, it wasn't that crazy they were very, very good players it's just yeah yeah they were excellent yeah yeah, yeah especially was it was really he'd, he'd really picked it up that year he had, a, he had a year or two where he was like absolutely fantastic and then kind of and, and kind of fell off a little bit it was still still obviously a great three-point shooter and everything but he kind of was a little bit uh, looked like he might you know really like kind of delve into superstardom and it didn't quite ever happen there i guess o'neill was kind of the same way as well i mean still both really good players for their teams and they had good teams but yeah that is in retrospect yeah the, the fact neither one of those guys ever kind of where, where that level ever again so so interesting stuff so um moving on to uh, jason kidd uh, was second place in 2002 it was really only his significant year of mvp support he was fifth in 99 other than that he was never really uh you know was never was better than eighth for uh for any of the rest of his career uh, it was a pretty close race that year, 954 to 897, losing to Duncan. Uh, the Nets had improved from 2652 wins, so another uh, case where that uh, drove the um, where, where, where that idea you know drove this, this support, and, it, and it definitely he brought some energy to that team. They made the finals a couple years in a row, so you know certainly not um, I, I was certainly not undeserving of it. I can't think of anybody else who was particularly more deserving of it, but it was a um, 
you know, was the one year where he he merited that consideration. I not too far off, honestly, from the Lenny Wilkins year. I, I never really thought about that parallel, but that totally makes that makes a lot of sense to me. I think in in some respects that was a very similar uh, type mm-hmm. of award for him. He obviously kid was in at least got MVP votes in other years, but um, but yeah, as far as kind of historical uh, precedent, that's actually a pretty good one. Absolutely. Uh, next guy here is LeBron James, pretty good player as well. 2006, 2014, he finished second. Uh, you know, of course, he's got wins in 2009. He's got a win in 2010. He's got a win in 2012. He's got a win in 2013. And, uh, you know, it's, there's cases to be made for some other years as well. But uh, what's interesting, though, is in 2006, he shares the Sporting News MVP award with Steve Nash, which is cr- incredible given his age. And we talked about it a little bit earlier of just how young he was and how good he was and how much of a case he had for for actual NBA MVP, despite not getting any first place votes, but yeah, to get the Sporting News MVP or to, or to share it with Nash is definitely an accomplishment. And that was Nash's, you know, second MVP award and um, whatnot. But uh, LeBron had already made a leap into the elite by that point. He led the NBA in box plus minus. He was second in PR, second in win shares, and then uh, he obviously goes through you know the next few years, which are peak LeBron and LeBron is amazing and, and great. Uh, by 2014, though, um, it's really his last year of true MVP contendership. You know, he loses to Kevin Durant. And he's become more of a periphery candidate at this point. Like, there was a real case to be for kind of half the year a few years ago, if I remember correctly, even last year. And I remember even this year, there was, like, for the first two months, people were like, oh, I don't know, LeBron James in the MVP conversation. But given kind of the, 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 the amount of time he's had on his body, like, it makes a lot of sense for him just to kind of pull up, you know, for the last few months of the year and then get ready for the playoffs. There's no need to kill yourself to try to win an MVP. He's already proven that he's a pretty good player. Probably doesn't need any more MVP awards. So it's, it, it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, it always kind of pops up here for a few months and then he sort of slows down and 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 that's about what it should be and that's probably the smart move you know yeah he could have racked up a few more mvps here if he really wanted to kill himself but he's he's gotten the nba finals you know as many years he's gotten in a row so he's probably making the right choice by uh, not chasing you know mvp awards or chasing you know individual accolades anymore but uh yeah great run there and uh, finishes second 2006 and 2014 yeah uh, so next we got Steve Nash uh, in 2007, which was the year after his two MVP awards, where he still was a, came relatively close to winning the uh, MVP uh, in that year. The the Suns, you know, despite dealing with injuries, despite you know dealing with a, some roster changes and stuff like that, they still maintained being a fantastic team. They were still number one offense in the league, and you know we know of course his story, but you know the MVP tra- trajectory is still pretty fun. You know he was he was kind of a marginal player with the Suns and early on with the uh, Mavericks before you know he um, picked things up with Dirk coming along under Don Nelson's run and gun system, and totally transformed a franchise in his crew and went to Phoenix and. Um, uh, after winning his two MVPs, finishing second, he actually never made the uh, top ten. Uh, again, he c- kind of fell off of there, despite you know being an excellent player for you know, another four or five years. Uh, and yeah, 2007 actually probably his best single year. He was uh, his best win shares year. Although he did trail um, Dirk, who won the MVP, as well as uh, Kobe, uh, Duncan, and LeBron in win shares, but got 40, 44 uh, first place votes. So um, interesting, interesting stuff there. Yeah, definitely. Um... Next guy we'll go on to. This is kind of the current guy, so it's not very exciting to be like, hey, here, let's break down Chris Ball's things. That's why we're kind of going through these fast. But speaking of Chris Ball, 2008, uh, first time he got MVP votes, he was second, and he hasn't topped or matched that since. So <laughs> that kind of stinks. But yeah, so 2008 is first time he pops up on the list. He's second, and then after that, he's fifth, he's 13th, he's third, he's fourth, he's seventh, he's sixth, he's sixth, and he's probably not going to be in uh, the top two anytime soon. I mean, maybe, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not. I uh, received some support in 2012 and 2013 as the Clippers kind of evolve into a winning team uh, once he arrived. But that was about it. You know, 2012 he finishes third you know 2013 he's fourth but that's kind of it for Chris Paul but yeah it kind of stinks of the first year which was a great year I mean an amazing year for him and for the franchise and for you know getting the Hornets into the playoffs and whatnot but kind of falls off from that point and is never really in consideration again and like I said probably will never be in the conversation again so right 
Uh, next we have Kobe Bryant, uh, 2009. Uh, didn't really get uh, serious MVP consideration until uh, 2003. Was third that year. Uh, actually, a little bit later than I would have guessed. Um, and was kind of a peripheral candidate in 06 and 07. Uh, he was fourth and third both those years before breaking through in 2008, winning the MVP. Uh, of course, when the Lakers made the Pau Gasol trade and left into contention again. Um, and he was he had a pretty similarly stout year in 09, but he did lose to LeBron in every major statistical category. Uh, and the Cavs went from 45 to uh, 66 uh, wins that year. So that was that was LeBron's, you know, uh, he LeBron already could have won MVP before, before then, but by then there was absolutely no denying LeBron that he was the best player in the league um, for sure. So a lot of people kind of, you know, sort of like, oh, Kobe only won one MVP. But honestly, you know, in his career, he played, you know, um, he he played during Duncan's career, during Shaq's career, during Garnett's career, during LeBron's career, during you know all those guys. It's you know one MVP is a decent accomplishment. I mean, oh, you're gonna get people it, very upset. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> the, the Lakers fans are, are are mobilizing right now for your hot take here on this. But no, it's all right. Well, but, fair but enough. you're right, and <laughs> it's it, you know that's not lie. But anyway, it is what it is. But uh, all right, we'll move yeah. on. Uh, Kevin Durant here. I think is this uh, no, not Alaska. We got a few more guys here. Uh, but Kevin Durant, uh, 2010, 2012, 2013, two straight years second before finally winning it of course his first taste of mp uh contention song vault all the way to second in 2010 so that's kind of interesting is that yeah he's never getting votes he's never in the top 15 never in the second first time he's there he's second in 2010 which is pretty interesting I, I kind of forgot that he was as good as he was that year um but it was a breakout i mean he made his first all-star game which is you know quite the year to make your first all-star game and then you know runner-up in mvp and leads the league in scoring at uh, 30.1 points per game and oh yeah he was only 21 years old at this point so an incredible year I, I really kind of forget this one kind of a lost one to history because i kind of think of his peak as as then the years we're going to talk about here in a little bit um you know 2012 he once again lead the league in scoring at uh, a mere 28 points per game uh, and his team had a surprise run of the nba finals uh and this time he finished third in win shares that year behind only chris paul and lebron james in 2012 uh, and then back-to-back uh, second play finishes um lebron won it again you know in 2013 but uh, Durant had his best season to date. He was 18.9 win shares, but it wasn't enough, of course, to eclipse LeBron, who was on another level at 19.3 and definitely a worthy candidate. Um, what's interesting about this year, though, is Durant finishes second but doesn't receive a single first-place vote. And uh, LeBron would have been a consensus if not for one lone first-place vote for Carmelo Anthony. So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, okay, that's fine. But uh, Durant's team this year fell to the Grizzlies in a second-round upset, and this is the year, obviously, that uh, Westbrook got injured and all that other stuff that sort of happened. I think, is that the year? Yeah, that's the year that Westbrook got injured. Right or did they just yeah, lose? Yeah, is, I forget yeah. if that was the year that they just lost. But uh, yeah, Westbrook got hurt. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay, that was that year. And then yeah. uh, the final, the next year after that, 2013. Um, so we're talking about 2013. I finished a second. 2014, Durant would finally win an MVP. Um, two straight second place finishes, and he really deserved it. 19.2 win shares, and he got 119 first place votes. So he definitely did deserve it that year. And now, given the kind of the path that his career has gone, he's probably not going to be in the running ever again. And that's not you know, but he's going to win a lot of titles probably. So you know, you, you, you give up you know MVP awards for for championships. So. Yeah, so uh, a guy who it's kind of hard to believe now was ever in the uh, MVP competition, Dwight Howard, who was uh, second to Derrick Rose in what was probably his uh, best season, a 22.9 points per game, a 14.1 rebounds per game, won another Defensive Player of the Year award. Turnout would be his second to last year with the Magic, and of course he's bounced around the league ever since. Um, I remember feeling like it was like a pretty close call between Rose, Howard, and LeBron at the time, but Rose actually won it pretty handily. He had uh, 113 first place votes. Uh, Dwight only had three, and LeBron only had four, and uh, almost doubled Dwight's uh, vote total or point total. So, 
yeah, that was um, that, that, honestly, yeah, that was pretty unanimous decision, or not quite unanimous, but close enough at, at the time. Pretty dominant decision at the uh, time. Yeah, and Dwight, um, he did have a couple of fourth place finishes the year before, so he was kind of a fringe MVP candidate, but never really um, got there, and, and then immediately pretty much uh, fell off, uh, you know, um, after that. So. And then we have uh, James Harden, who uh, a lot of people have fought about uh, his second-place finishes to uh, Steph Curry in 2015 and to Russell Westbrook in 2017. Uh, he did win the, the uh, Players' Voice Award MVP in from the Players' Association in 2015. Um, I would argue Steph was superior, but it was definitely a, a close race uh, there. Um, 2017 to Russell Westbrook, also a, a close race, but there was a no Players' Voice Award MVP consolation prize. Um, you know, what's interesting to me is if you look statistically at the difference between uh, the, the the three years between 2015, 2016, 2017, the 2016 year being in, where he was not at all on the MVP radar because the Rockets were disappointing that year, uh, basically equal, you know, production there. Slightly less um, in uh, 2016. He was eighth in PER that year and fourth in value of replacement player. True shooting percentage was almost exactly the same and, you know, s- scoring rebounds and assists outside of 2017 when they they were, the assists were up a lot because of D'Antoni's system. You know, all that was pretty uh, close to the uh, same. So um, interesting that the perception was so different despite the uh, stats, you know, production there being, uh, you know, r- r- very, very close to, you know, sim- similarity. Yeah, definitely. And um, our final guy now, Kawhi Leonard, 2016, he finishes uh, second. I finished well behind Steph Curry, uh, who was the first unanimous first place MVP winner in NBA, uh, in NBA history. So, I mean, <laughs> it's tough to end. It's tough to argue, too. I mean, he definitely deserved it that year as well. Uh, but Kawhi that year was the best player on a 67 win Spurs team at only age 24. So, kind of cool how he kind of emerged there. Uh, just a little bit of his background 2015, he finishes 10th. 2016, he finishes uh, second. And then last year, he finishes third. And he was a you know fringe candidate last year. People did mention him, but it felt like it was never really his race it felt like it was Westbrook and, and Harden but you know there were some you know people that were like hey what about Kawhi what about Kawhi but it, it never really quite felt that way and then obviously this year I do not think he's gonna get any votes I could be wrong <laughs> but you know his five mediocre games that he played I, I don't think that he should get any if he gets them then we'll have to talk to that guy but uh yeah I don't know that he's done you know we have no idea what the history is with Kawhi Leonard he's still very young or whatever but uh yeah he emerges pretty quickly to come into second finishes third of the year after that and we hope that now you know he can get back there um in in the future but uh well time will tell on that time will tell indeed so all right rich well uh thanks for uh thanks for doing this always a lot of uh fun a good uh, discussion about uh about mvp voting and uh hopefully the uh, listeners enjoyed it as well yeah absolutely i enjoyed this a lot so thanks everyone for uh checking us out uh you can uh, find us at the step back at fansided.com you can find us on itunes stitcher or pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast and you can also find us on twitter and facebook at over back so thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.